Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 112 for October the 26th, 2016. I'm your host, Jack. I'm going to help guide you into, through, and back out of the world of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great shows at techpodcast.com. Folks, are you learning to be a systems administrator? Maybe you are a systems administrator, or maybe you're working in the IT field and you would like to maybe advance your skills a little bit and learn more about Windows Server 2008 R2, Windows Server 2012 R2, as well as VMware ESXi 5.5 Server. Go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, click on the online class link at the top of the page where you can get started today and build your future of tomorrow. Folks, if you have a chance, check out my website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows, and I hope that you do. Give me some of your feedback. You can also leave me a voice message at 724-701-0550. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, you can email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter and as at technoman. Folks, tonight I thought I would talk to you a little bit about a subject that uh, is near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure it's near and dear to your heart, if you are a systems administrator, or if you're, as the uh, opening says, the guy and the girls out there, you know, in the office, that kind of handle it all. And <laughs> I can tell you a great story about that. When I took over for a private school some, I guess it was probably about 18 years ago now, I took over for a private uh, school district or a private, uh, approved private school, I guess, not really a district. But anyway, when I first walked in, I was uh, introduced to a business lady who managed the, uh, the pay, not the payroll, but the payouts. Uh, you know, she did all the uh, the bill pays and, and the uh, invoices coming into the, uh, the school. And I said, hi, it's nice to meet you. And she said, well, I'm typically that person that takes care of all the new people coming in. I take care of all the, uh, the you know, uh, the, the new entries in for email. I take care of setting them up on a server. And I said, what is your background? I said, that's pretty amazing. And she just said her background was in, in business. She went to school for business. She didn't go to school for this, but sometimes you get thrown in to that situation where you're taking care of things around the office uh, because you may know a little bit more than everybody else in the office, or maybe they'll just toss a book at you and say, here, learn this. This is one of your added duties. So I thought tonight we would talk a little bit about backup or not backups i'm sorry a little bit about updates uh where did i get backup from i don't know must be on my on the top of my uh my, my to-do list there somewhere but so tonight we're talking about updating systems now there really is two main ways uh, that i update systems in our office and then there's also an update system an update system when you're on the road so these are things to think about um, when you're managing networks and it could be of any size. But if you have a domain controller and you're managing your servers, 
uh, or a small server for them. That could be one server. That could be small business server. You want to find a way where you can push out updates without having to manually go to computer to computer. And, you know, all the time, if you think about it, automatic updates, as nice as they are for home users, they're not always the best solution for the uh, people like us, people that go out and work in businesses or you sitting in the office and uh, you have a million hats that you're wearing. And now you have to worry about are my computer systems updated to where they need to be. So what you want to look at to update domain workstations, you can use either what's called a system center from Microsoft, or if you don't want to spend the money for system center, you can use WSUS or windows systems update services. Uh, so, you know, what really gives one a value over the other and why would you want one over the other? And that's kind of the stuff I wanted to discuss with you uh, tonight with this topic. So system center is really a full-blown, uh, almost a, um, I, I guess for the better words, a software manager system where not only are we worried about pushing out updates, but with system center, it allows you to push out software. And why is this important? Well, it allows you to push out software applications to the end users. Now, uh, at the present time, I run a very, very large school district with what's called a one-to-one -one initiative. And when I first walked in, I wasn't really used to that type of scenario where, um, you know, every student has a Windows laptop. And I thought, wow, this is a really great advantage for the students, but it's going to be a really big concern of mine. How do I manage this? How do I do something where if a teacher wants a new software package uh, or a software program that they've seen or something they want to use with the student body, how do you get that, that software without going to every computer, uh, you know, and you're talking, you're talking managing 700 uh, individual laptops and going out there and with a thumb drive installing that software over and over and over and over again 700 times. Well, we know that's not really feasible. That's not the way to do things in the modern world when you're systems administrator, right? You have to dig down and really look uh, under the hood and say, what can I do to make installing software um, more manageable for me? Not necessarily easier. Well, I guess it is a lot easier. But, but the thing is, is you want to make your network more manageable for you. So what it means is that since every student is carrying around a laptop, um, and there's over a thousand computers on the network. We have to find a way to install programs, not one at a time, because this would take a ton of time. But with System Center, I can push out not only updates, but again, I can push out any MSI installer file directly to the user or the computer. Now, why is this important? Well, let's just say you have a shared network scenario. Let's say you work in a school district somewhere and uh, that school or that company even. Let's say that company um, has multiple users for a small number of computers. And um, I, I worked at a school like that before where we didn't know which student was going to be sitting at a computer at any given time. So what happens in that scenario is I would push the software out to the individual user. Then when that user logs onto that workstation, the software will become available to that user, but not necessarily every user that sits at that computer. And again, this goes back to licensing software and how is your software licensed? And, you know, I don't know. A lot of times you license software in school districts uh, by that. You can license it by the campus. 
Uh, if you work at a college setting, uh, we can license it by uh, the student number of students, the student body, because you may have uh, students living off campus. You may have online students that you have to service. And this is not going to actually hit them unless they come into your school. They log in. They get the software they, they require on their computers. And then maybe they're taking online courses with that software. So that is the user model. Now, the computer model is very much directed, like I said, directly to the computer. Uh, this is the model that we use more than not because mostly all the software that we push is going to go to all the computers, such as Microsoft Office. Um, you may do something, uh, I don't know, like a, a money program. I can warn you, and I will warn you, if you're pushing out AutoCAD, uh, any AutoCAD package, and you're doing all the packages together. And if you've ever used AutoCAD, there is a lot of very, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of very, very heavy packages in that AutoCAD program. If you're pushing that, it's going to take an extremely large amount of time to push that out to the computers. So we don't want to push that to all computers. We may want to push that to a localized group of computers. And this conversation could probably go a lot deeper because we probably need to at some point talk a little bit about Active Directory, uh, making sure you don't have what we call a flat AD, and I'm sure a lot of you folks out there have seen it. Uh, a flat Active Directory is just uh, there's a users folder and everybody's under users. There's a, a computer folder and all your computers are listed under there. Uh, you're better off to build organizational units, build OUs, and then group those computers into those OUs because now you can very easily find the computers you want and you can very easily push that software and direct it right to a group of computers instead of pushing it across your network. But I would still be really careful with a very large package like uh, like AutoCAD. Now, you can push EXE setup files. It does take a little bit more work on the back end uh, with System Center. But I have found that you can go in there, you can set those EXE files up, and you can push those out to folks. Uh, it works extremely well, and uh, the files show up. Here's a little tidbit of information that I wanted to give you, and this has happened to us recently. Now, if you would push out, and the, the program we used it was um, a program for, and I'm not going to go into details with the schools, but it's a program we use for testing. But for testing, there's an ID number for every district uh, that uses the software. The ID number, when the student launches the program, would have to be entered by hand. Well, that's a lot of work for your uh, educators and for your student body. So... We used a program on our computer on the back end called Orca, and it's O-R-C-A. If you've never seen Orca, try that out, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll link it in the show notes here so you can use it. What it allows you to do, it allows you to open up an MSI file, basically, and go in there and see different parts of that file. Uh, you can add things to that file, so when it gets installed, and the student would double-click. Now, this is on any software package. Um, you can use this for something like Microsoft Office. You can go in there and put your key in there, save that MSI file back out, and then you'll never have to enter the key when you're loading the software. You, now, you can see the value of this program, and it's absolutely free. So it's, it's really, really worth the download. So this allows you, again, to build that, rebuild that package with that in it. But what we found is we put the ID number in, and we pushed the software out. But the ID number was not supposed to be 
quoted. So it shouldn't have quotes on both sides of it, but it did. For some reason, uh, we weren't watching. We typed it in. We saved it as an MSI file. We pushed that file out to the, uh, the computers. Everybody had it. They double-clicked the application, and it wouldn't launch. So I went back and started looking and started investigating and tried to reverse engineer my own thinking of what did I do? So I went back into Orca, and I went down and looked at that number just to see. And after reading the directions again on the website, it said, make sure there's no quotes on either side of this number. So I took the quotes out. I resaved the MSI and republished it. Uh, here's what happened. This is the downside of that. When we published it, System Center has no way of knowing that that software has been installed on that particular computer except to see the software. And if it sees it, let's say, for instance, if it's version 7. And if you're trying to repush version 7, if the computer already has a version 7 there, it will not activate and push that software out. Even if you said to uninstall version 7 and then install the new one. So you have two options uh, when this happens to you. One, you can write a uninstall script using PowerShell or whatever your typical scripting language that you like to use is. And you can set that up on a GPO, send that out, and have it uninstall that software. You can uninstall it manually. You have that option. Or you can go out, take your new MSI file, and you can install manually. So you have a couple options. But if you go back into Orca, you can trick that software. Now, this trick is good and bad. And that's what I told the, the tech workers I have working with me. We sat and we discussed this. I said, here's the downside that I see with this. If I change the version number, say I change it to 7.01, that would do it. System Center would be absolutely satisfied that 7.01 is not on the machine. It would uninstall version 7 and load 7.1. Now, you think that is easy right? Piece of cake, easy, done. But what happens is, wonder if in a month, two months, maybe even next school year, version 7.01 comes out. Now we're back into the same problem we are before. You would always be renumbering that version. So you're better off to get that, that copy you sent out that's wrong, uninstalled, get the version that you have pushed out, and then you're ready for any future upgrades. So that's one of the downsides with System Center, something to think about if you start using this. And if you're going to buy System Center, honestly, it's one of those purchases that you're going to make that's going to, um, you know, set you back some money. Um, I don't know exactly what it cost because it was already there when I started. Uh, so I just had to learn how to use it and learn how to manipulate it. But the whole thing I'm talking about is if you have a large network and you're working at any corporation uh, where you have even 200 PCs, this is going to help you manage those computers a lot better. And, uh, and it's been working. We have Windows 10 on all the workstations at this point, Windows 10 Professional. And it's been pushing the software out and talking absolutely fine from our Windows 2012 uh, R2 servers. Let's now talk a little bit about WSUS Server the WSUS server. Now, the Windows System Update server, you can install that for absolutely free. It comes with your license and you, there's nothing to buy. Now, what this allows you to do is both of these together allows you to do this. It allows you to go in and what happens is you'll download your updates 
it'll pull the updates whenever Microsoft uh, sends out updates, but it doesn't push them to your system until you approve them. If you set it up this way, now you can have an auto push, but when, what's nice about WSUS, if you have limited bandwidth internet services uh, wherever you work, and all the computers are going to update at one time. Let's say, for instance, with our 1,000 computers on the network, if they all went out at the same time for their updates, which they would if it's set to auto-update, you're going to have a real big congestion. You're going to have a big bottleneck on your network that's going to slow your internet traffic down. So what you want to do is you set up this WSUS server or system center if you wish to go that way. This allows you to download the updates to one machine, one server, and I would recommend have a pretty good size hard drive in. I tried to build one of these some years ago. I built a WSUS server and you know I didn't, maybe I didn't read the specs right, but I didn't have a big enough hard drive because this thing, these updates will fill a hard drive quickly. And if you don't go in and actually flush out some of the old ones, which you need to do maybe once a year, go in and flush out some of the old stuff that you're not using or that's not going to go out anyway. But what it allows you to do is it allows you to approve the updates. So set your WSUS server up where you have to approve the updates. And the reason I said to do this is we all know that Windows updates at times can break things. It can break software on a system. It can break the system uh, totally down. Uh, I was just listening to the uh, Mike Tech show the other day, and um, Mike said that he had some systems that they upgraded to Windows 10, and it basically bricked them. Uh, they couldn't do anything because maybe the software, maybe uh, Windows 10 didn't like the particular hardware, it didn't like a chipset in there, and it just wouldn't boot. So he had a lot of work, but I mean, obviously he did get it working because it is Mike, right? So Mike did get that stuff working and uh, figured it all out for himself there. But these are things that can happen. So imagine if I push out these updates to a thousand computers and the next morning, no computer will turn on. I'm going to have a really, really lousy day. So what we like to do is go in and work with the test system, uh, check the updates, make sure the updates are going to work, and then approve the ones that you, you know, that you have to send out to your systems to allow those to update. Maybe you don't want every update. Maybe there's an update to Windows Media Player and nobody uses it. Why would you check that? You wouldn't have to send that out over your network. The beauty of this is, is all the computers are communicating with your server in your network. Does it create network traffic? Absolutely, it creates network traffic. I mean, for sure it would. But what's nice in the end is you're not pulling that through your pipe, through your internet all at one time. You can set this thing up to pull your uh, updates at, in the evening. In the mornings, you can go in. You can check to see what updates are there and see what you want to approve. Now, some time ago, I don't know when it was, um, a few years ago, we were using a WSUS server and Microsoft came out with this great, I don't know, this great uh, stroke of knowledge. Hey, why don't we allow systems administrators to update Microsoft Office using WSUS? So they did. They put that feature in there. So now you can pull your Office updates. It used to just be simply for Windows machines, period. So that's just something else you can look at. Now your servers... Your servers, you can still, you can push those out through System Center and do your updates on your servers. I am still, for some reason, I guess because there's not many of them, um, even right now we have a lot of virtual servers running. We have 22 virtual servers running, uh, but pretty much every service that we have activated, like DNS, DHCP, 
Um, we have some uh, testing servers we run uh, to give uh, tests to the students, that kind of stuff. Each individual one has its own server. And why not? If you're virtualizing this way, if you have to reboot uh, your Active Directory server, you're not taking down your DNS and your DHCP at the same time. Uh, so if everybody's logged in, chances are they're going to they're going to still browse the internet. And everything's going to be fine because they're already logged in. Their credentials are cached on the system anyway, and they may not even notice that Active Directory server rebooting in the middle of the day if you have to do that. Uh, if you have a caching server, you know you can reboot that if it gets hung up. Uh, if you have web filters running on a server, you get the idea. So it just allows us the freedom to boot a server, you know, without taking down everything. Uh, for those out there, and I know if you're running small business server, I've set small business server up many times. Uh, you may be running uh, Active Directory, DNS, DHCP, all on one server because the company doesn't have a lot of money to buy multiple servers or maybe a big enough server to virtualize everything. But if you are going to virtualize stuff, um, again, remember that course I told you about uh, early on there, the uh, the ES ESXi I told you about because that's free from VMware. You can't beat it. Uh, you set it up. It's very easy to learn, very easy to manage to get your machines virtualized on a box. So it might be something you want to look at. So I'm going to talk to you just a few more minutes here about installing uh, your updates manually. You know, I've worked for a lot of small doctor's offices. I've worked for a lot of uh, insurance agents. Uh, I've worked for a, a few attorney's offices where you go in, they may have five computers. Um, maybe they have a, a, a technical file server that's maybe a Windows machine. It's doing like, uh, you know, Windows work group, but they have files they have shared on there. And so you go in and, you know, you're not going to set up a WSUS server for that. You're not going to take the time to do that because they really don't have a server anyway. Or maybe they do have a server and, you know, you just don't want to take the time. So you want to do your updates manually. Now you can go computer to computer to computer and you can run these updates. Again, see what software they're running. If they're running the normal suite of software, Microsoft Office, uh, in Windows, then at that point, I would say go ahead and uh, just turn on auto updates for those systems. Your chances are breaking something. Uh, that's what happened to Mike with breaking a system. You're, you're, it's really slim that that's going to happen. So go ahead and maybe you'll turn on auto updates. Now on your server, you may want to, just so you can keep track of the updates of when you're doing those, um, I would do those manually. And there's really two ways to do it. One is you would click on the updates, just as we always would, right? And you would sit there and watch the updates loading and reboot the server and update and reboot. Well, how many times you have to reboot a server? Or you can get those updates. If you can download those updates, put them on a thumb drive. This way you don't have to worry about, again, the bandwidth for uh, the doctor's office, maybe the attorney's offices. Some of these attorney's offices I work for still use DSL. So they don't have a whole lot of bandwidth anyway. And if they're doing research on a case or something, we don't want to bog them down. So I'll do an update from maybe a thumb drive, right? Or, or a, uh, um, an external hard drive you have in your kit, I'm sure, if you're out there working. So these are, again, for smaller jobs uh, or the client-side jobs that you just don't want to set up a WSUS server for. Uh, they normally have smaller networks, again, so WSUS server is not the answer. Uh, so just run the updates manually at the office level. Now, once you do that, make sure, go back and check with your users and make sure with your users, hey, is everything working? Uh, is everything uh, you know, doing okay? 
if you get a call from one of your clients uh, on a, I think they call it, is that Pat, is it still Patch Tuesday? Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't, <laughs> I try not to follow Microsoft real closely um, outside of using their systems and, and, you know, knowing what to do with their systems. But uh, as far as reading their website, knowing exactly when these updates come out, uh, I'm not absolutely sure, but it used to be Patch Tuesday. So if you get a call Wednesday morning from somebody at one of your clients' uh, offices and they say, hey, my computer just won't turn on. Or it turns on, the monitor comes on, but there's just nothing. It's just locked up on the Windows start screen. Then you would have a pretty good clue that that computer is stuck on one of the updates. Something happened to it. Your best solution that I have for that scenario that I do is I will go out and reboot the computer, try to get in a safe mode, and then do a system system uh, restore and restore it to an earlier date, uh, a couple of days ago. And make sure you assure your folks, because so many folks, and I get this all the time, um, oh, you know, is it? am I going to lose all those Word documents I did for the fa- past three days? And you won't. You're not going to do that. So, uh, you know, that's just not going to happen. Um, other, other than that, I think uh, that's about going to wrap us up for this show. So hopefully you learned something tonight about uh, System Center. And I'm sure we can talk more about that. And if you have any questions, uh, please email me and uh, maybe I can wrap a show around that. And uh, the shows have been kind of uh, sporadic uh, lately because obviously uh, the weather's been nice there and there's been a lot going on to work around your house. And there's been, you know, uh, life. Life kind of gets in the way. And uh, so it's been back and the show's up a little bit. And I am sorry for that. So I hope you uh, still listen to the show. I see a lot of you out there still downloading subscribing to the shows and uh, and that's great the numbers are still really really good and i appreciate you coming around and maybe tell your friends about the show and say hey here's some interesting stuff about servers and networking and switching and we'll talk about all that kind of stuff please remember folks once again uh, if you use amazon to buy anything uh anything at all folks if it's car wax go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com click on my amazon link and then that will take you to amazon and you can buy your products. Once you buy your products, a little piece of that product, a few cents, comes back to the show. But that helps me to produce these shows. and helps me to buy the equipment I need for the studio. And I always, always appreciate that. But please remember, if you're on my website, one guy emailed me and said, I can't see your Amazon ad. I don't know where it's at. I can't use it. And I said, well, yeah, it's at tips from the server. He said, I'm there, but I don't see it. Uh, and then it dawned on me, I said, do you use any kind of ad blocker? He goes, oh, yeah, I use Adblock Plus. I said, well, deactivate it on my domain. Uh, I don't have any other ads on there. They're not going to bombard you with ads. There's no spyware on my website. So all you're going to do is see the base ad there for Amazon. You click on it, and you're good to go. So, But, folks, thank you so much for watching, subscribing, and downloading these shows. I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's because of you out there, the reason why podcasters like myself do these shows. Um just to kind of, I like to say I'm paying it forward, um, you know, because I don't have any advertisers for this show, and that's fine because all I'm doing this for is to pay it forward and let you know what's out there. Um, outside of the courses I've set up, and there's a lot of people in those courses, and a lot of people swear by them. So check those out. Maybe you want to sign up for one of those today. Once again, that's at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, the online class link at the top of the page. Folks, thank you so much for again for listening, and I will talk to you next time on Tips from the Server Room. Bye-bye for now.
just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.